What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Wednesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We are loaded up here for signing day 2.0 and two big time gets and flips for Nebraska. Janarian Bonner out of Georgia. A.J. Allen, the running back that was headed to TCU and is now in. We'll load up. We'll talk with Greg Smith here momentarily on Nebraska's class, on Nebraska's two editions earlier this morning. And uh, we'll get uh, ready for some of Greg's thoughts. Mike Babcock will join us. We'll hear from Scott Frost. Uh, plenty of thoughts from Coach Frost, and just not on signing day, but that new normal with the portal and, uh, of course, uh, how Nebraska is going to attack things uh, in hour two. Andy Markowski will be with us. Uh, a tough one again for Nebraska basketball. What could have been that you're kind of used to now uh, with Nebraska? And, you know, the, the big question with Husker Hoops, are they going to look different moving forward, right? And they look better, but they still look the same. The final three minutes. We'll get in there. More from uh, Coach Frost in hour two at a jock doc. Numbers to get in 466 3776 800 825 5865 at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt on Twitter at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal on Twitter. Chris at HaleVarsity.com is the email. Let's uh, recap. The two new additions, Greg Smith kicks us off at Greg Smith HV, recruiting insider with Hale Varsity. Greg, good to see you at the presser. We both survived the wind chill to get to sixth floor. Uh, it's uh, it's a good haul altogether for Nebraska, correct? When we look at the 16, the 13 from high school, the three JUCOs, and uh, the, the kids from the portal. Give me a grade here for the bow put on 2022 yeah it was good to see you earlier i'm actually still standing in that room look at you (laughs) i'm working man (laughs) um at the grade that i would give nebraska is a solid b uh for the for the total haul i think the 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 thing keeping it back is actually something that frost mentioned here today uh was that they still need probably a couple additions on the lines of scrimmage either on the offensive side or the defensive side or both um but i do think nebraska has rallied pretty strongly here uh, from where we where they were from when the season ended against Iowa to now uh, couldn't be more different. I, I think you'd be lying if you didn't say you didn't feel a whole lot better now than you did before. Energy and momentum very apparent. And when it comes to Nebraska, you know, what were you expecting, I guess? Uh, what, and what flipped it? 
Yeah, you know, it's funny. I thought I, I thought that there would be a slower burn kind of with the activity. I thought that you'd, you'd see Nebraska maybe get involved with a couple of guys in 2022. They'd obviously try to hit the portal hard. And in 23, you'd see a really big jump. And that has not necessarily been the case. I think you are going to see that jump at 23. And that's something that I, we'll be talking about here in the coming months and weeks. Um, but with the way the 22 finished off for Nebraska, and that has to include the portal additions. Like, I know it doesn't count um, if you're only looking – you know, kind of at the class rankings and all of that. But Nebraska's future for the 2022 season is really dependent on all of those transfer additions. Um, there's nice players in the high school class coming in for 22, uh, but the portal is where it's at to help the team next year. Uh, but you have to feel good about um, the level of activity that we've seen from Nebraska and like Frost mentioned, that energy that's kind of been infused into the program. Do we know what we have in, in Applewhite, in, in Joseph, uh, specifically, I mean, we, we know Mickey's reputation, but could you could you have imagined the, the, the job they did in Bill Bush? Can't forget Coach Bush. Right. I mean, those are three three big time additions, but it didn't take them long to get rolling. No, it absolutely didn't, and I think that we maybe have maybe underestimated the level of connections that all of those guys have um, throughout college football, and you can really point to a number of guys. I think for each of them, Applewhite had the least, but the more, one of the most recent, um, and he was the last guy to join the staff out of that group, flipping A.J. Allen, uh, but Bill Bush really directly responsible for the two specialists that came to Nebraska. He's also got a huge hand on what's going to happen in 23, including maybe quarterback um, for Nebraska, and then we know that Mickey Joseph was all over the place, whether it was through the South, recruiting wide receivers, um, starting to really take the reins here in Nebraska, especially in Lincoln and Omaha. Um, I think that one of the underrated things, too, about what those guys are going to bring to the table to Nebraska is kind of a trickle-down effect of their recruiting energy and enthusiasm and how hard they work. They're going to make it to where everyone on that staff is going to have to raise their level um, of how they work at this thing as well, which will be you know, really fun to see. Greg Smith's with us here talking signing day on Hale Varsity Radio. And Greg, A.J. Allen, not necessarily a, a surprise that he's in the boat. Now, I like what uh, A.J. Allen shows on tape. I, I think he's going to be an exciting prospect. But uh, a guy that I wasn't expecting today is this wide receiver. Uh, was Jonathan Bonner, am I pronouncing that correctly? A, a four-star kid from down in Georgia. Uh, picked Nebraska late, apparently took a, a secret visit to Nebraska. What do you know about him, and what does he bring to the table? Yeah, Jenner and Bonner has pulled off really a rare feat. I was saying this earlier, um, is that, you know, these secret official visits just don't happen anymore, right? Like, we never see that uh, where they, they go so under the radar that they just don't know about them until well after the fact. Uh, but he's a really good player, a four-star prospect out of just outside of Atlanta. His team just won a state championship. I think they're third in four years. Um, and he had over 50 catches for his team this year, and I think nine touchdowns. Um, he's a really talented player. He's 6'1", 6'2", 200 pounds, and he really fits in well with what Nebraska has kind of shifted to here over the last couple of cycles with these bigger wide receivers that can do a little bit of everything. Um, and I know I know a lot of fans are happy about that continued shift, uh, but he definitely fits the mold of that. What do you like about Allen? 
He's got sweet feet. <laughs> I think that he's a kid that runs really well. He's got enough speed and he's got good vision, um, but he can make you miss. Um, I think Frost mentioned that today about his ability to cut um, and make guys miss in short spaces. I think you noticed that immediately when you put on his film. That sometimes when guys join a class late, you just don't know much about them because you haven't had the big lead up of learning about them and hearing all the backstory. Uh, but when you pop his film on, like I think even amateur film watchers like myself can can see that he's a good player um, and that he he can be an exciting guy for Nebraska in the future. As you look at uh, the additions and uh, give me two on offense, Greg, that you have circled that are immediate impact uh, and two on defense. And you can be obvious with quarterback if you like, or, or you can go a little bit further into the weeds, but give me four names. Okay, so I'll skip Casey Thompson only because you preemptively called me. No, out. I just said uh, I, I said you, gonna, you can no, you can fine, pick you fine. can pick quarterback. <laughs> fine. Um, I, well, he's going to have a, a huge impact, yes. so I'll just go ahead and push him to the side. I do think that he's going to end up being the starter, uh, despite what Frost said today about an open competition. I think Casey Thompson will be your starter, and he's acting as such with the leadership things that he's doing around here. Uh, Trey Palmer is a guy that I have an eye on. Is I think that he's going to be someone that can help push both Omar Manning and Xavier Betts, um, and he'd be a guy that can help you, obviously, in the return game this coming season as well. The other guy I'll give you is Anthony Grant, the New Mexico Institute uh, JUCO running back, who had a largely productive uh, time out there in helping his team to a JUCO national championship. I think he's going to be a really nice player for Nebraska and be in the mix to be in the starting lineup. On the defensive side, I'll give you Omar Brown, uh, the defensive back, and then it gets really tough because I want to pick another defensive back and I'll go high school and say Jaden Gold um, is a guy that's going to you're going to actually see this coming season uh, and kind of go out on a limb there. Hey, he's uh, got a really good pedigree. You look at the, the teams that wanted Gould and uh, it's it's a monster get, a, a, kind of a nice surprise get for Nebraska right. in, in signing day, you know, 1.0. Palmer in this receiving room is so Loaded. I mean, they they have 13 wide receivers on scholarship heading into spring. Uh, you can go four or five wide. Uh, so I mean, you can you can rotate guys in. Do you anticipate uh, guys responding the right way in that receiver room that have been here for a while? And I'm asking about Omar because we kind of know his story as far as either missing practice or going through some personal things and, you know, good for him battling through all that. You saw Martin get 100 yards on Illinois to start off and then kind of disappeared. And I know some of that might have been injury related. But uh, and then Betts, I mean, Betts is a guy that it's like they went to Betts when they kind of had to, (laughs) you know, not when they I mean, not when they wanted to, so to speak. So do those three guys respond with this added uh, receiver core in this edition. Yeah, the thing is, they're gonna prop, they're gonna have to, right? Like otherwise, they're just gonna be left behind uh, because there's talent coming behind them. We mentioned Palmer um, Garcia Castaneda is a guy that you, I'm already hearing good things about behind the scenes. You know, as far as his work in the weight room and as Frost reference today, guys just running around um, as he gets to kind of observe them a little bit because of the rules. But then you have guys like Alante Brown that that are angling for more playing time. You have those three freshmen that were here last year. Um, you know, uh, Grimes 
Williams, Hardy, and Neville. I think Hardy won scout team player of the year last year. So, like, you've got a lot of talent of guys who have not been able to be out there as much as they want to. So if those top three guys that we started off talking about um, don't respond in the right way, there's somebody right behind them ready to take their spots. Like, that's going to be an interesting subplot, especially when you put it against the defensive backs and the competition they have. Uh, there's going to be some fun battles there. Greg, I know with everyone worried about how the, the team is going to play next season, that, that the instant impact guys are the names that are going to be getting a lot of, of press right now, but there are any guys in this class that you look at and you say they might be a little under the radar now, but you like the potential, you like what they could turn into, say, in two or three years in the weight program? Yeah, I'll give you one from each side of the ball. Uh, Gage Stinger uh, from Millard South is a guy that I've been really high on throughout this process. I just think he's a really good uh, football player who's really competitive and tough. Um, and I think he's going to find his way onto the field at some point during his career, uh, whether or not that's at outside linebacker or safety. I think he's going to play uh, down the road for Nebraska. And then on the other side of the ball, I like Justin Evans Jenkins. Um, I think that he's kind of the, be the first kind of pupil of new offensive line coach Donovan Rayola could be a potential center down the line. Um, I really like what he can bring to the table with his wrestling background. He's got a mean streak. Um, I like my football players, especially on the offensive line, to have a mean streak. Greg Smith, couple more minutes uh, going over signing day 2022, 2.0. And this was normally the, the day where uh, the fax machine gets dusted off. Now it's portal. Now it's uh, signing day part one in December. This is usually the day back in uh, elementary school, middle school, where I'd develop a cough for a day and stay home sick and see what was going on. It's the day I prayed for a snow day when I was student teaching so I could get in here and do it all. Uh, is there any, uh, any, any fire left in, in, in Jimbo's flamethrower? Man, uh, probably not. <laughs> he let it all out. And it's funny, I'm watching the video of that, and I, when I thought he was done, he goes, and another thing, that's how you know you've got an all-time classic rant, is when somebody in the middle of that rant goes, and I got another thing, uh, that was great. Good for him. I mean, people don't believe him necessarily, but good for him. Well, it's like A&M landed seven five-star. has got to be oil money. J.R. Ewing's loose again with bags of money, and it's legal this time. But he took offense to that. Like, him and his staff didn't go beat people in living rooms. It was just stacks of cold, hard cash. He went off, man. But it is, it, it really, is different. It is different now, and Coach Frost, like, doesn't matter what I think. You've got to either adapt or die, don't you? Yeah, you absolutely do, and I think that that's I, I like that Frost said that multiple times today. But I think that's the way that you have to approach it. Otherwise, you're just going to kind of get left behind, and you can be mad about things changing. But if you're Scott Frost or any of these college football coaches, you have to adjust and adapt. Otherwise, you just won't get the talent. Um, but I also think that you know, in Jimbo's defense, he was kind of correct in the whole thing about A and M is a good school with a great football tradition. Uh, so I understand why he would take offense to that, especially with the other coaches actually taking pot shots at them and naming them. I get that. Jimbo was was sick of it. Uh, the stud recruit that was dancing with uh, Brian <laughs> Kelly said, I'm picking Bama, but thanks for making a fool out of yourself. That's uh, pretty entertaining right now. Uh, the, the way it's laid out is pretty impressive with, with what Nebraska has on staff to recruit. Uh, you look at the new staff together and that comfort level that is is pretty high. I mean, it, it seems to me that, that again, you got to go play and win and, and win in crunch time. You don't want to start anointing or, or jumping ship over to, well, poof, they're going to be eight and four automatically. 
but they've they've put in some work and and, and past staffs have done the same but you're just kind of getting a different caliber of athlete i believe when you when you add a guy like bush and mickey i mean they're going to to some uh some pretty pretty big time area codes greg and they're also going to really pay attention around the state and in state that's that's a big thing for me yeah, absolutely, and I think the, the one thing I would add to that is I think they're going to pay a lot of attention to the region. I think that that got brought up a little bit today by Frost, but I think that that's going to be something we'll talk a lot about here, too, is that it's not just the in-state talent, which it's plentiful, and I think that it continues to get better and better, but the region is loaded this year, and if you can start um, with that, I think you could build you know, 60%, 70% of the 2023 recruiting class from just right here in the radius at in-state, um, which would be a, a really big thing for Nebraska football. Greg Smith, uh, be sure to read his recaps and his analysis with HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Give him a follow on Twitter at GregSmithHV. Greg, we'll uh, let you keep on cranking it out up at uh, West Stadium. Thanks for giving us a few minutes today. Hey, no problem. You guys have a great week. All right, there he is, Greg Smith, twice in about 72 hours because he loves us. Good work from, from him. Really like A.J. Allen, really like Bonner, and uh, I, I like who's going to be working with those guys to, to elevate their game. Smaller signing class this year, but I think some impactful guys in that class. We'll check in with Mike Babcock, get his take on uh, Big Red football moving forward. Thoughts on uh, Husker Hoops also on the way. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Well, you've been wondering about a Kevin Steele update. I know you have. Nebraska's famed linebacker coach and ace recruiter back uh, in the 90s was supposed to head off to Maryland to work for his old buddy uh, Mike Loxley. Uh, pump the brakes because he's going to go. He's headed down to Miami, and uh, he's going to be working for the U. They had like a in, name in Super Mario. They had like a nameplate on the door and everything for him at Maryland, like all ready to go. And he was able to dirty a million out of Tennessee to be a consultant during their thirty eighth coaching change. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile. Every every program that's kind of launched, and I look back to the, the first hire Saban made at Alabama was was Kevin Steele, and then he went to to Auburn, and then he went to Clemson. When when Dabo and company took off, Kevin Steele was there at 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 Clemson, so he's he's had a few different gigs, but it's not for lack of of coaching. And I know he didn't have a good Orange Bowl as a D coordinator one time at. At Clemson, but the point is, is he's been, you know, on the merry-go-round of some of the who's who programs that continually crush it in recruiting. He was instrumental, obviously, in getting Tommy Frazier to to Nebraska, 
And we bring in Mike Babcock, HailVarsity.com and Magazine on signing day. Babbers, Kevin Steele, one of the, the best of the best uh, when it comes to Husker lore and recruiting. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, especially uh, getting Tommy Fraser, that was a big, uh, big hit because I think uh, Tommy was inclined to go elsewhere. Yeah, Clemson, uh, Notre Dame, Notre Dame uh, Colorado. Colorado, yeah, yeah. yep. Then, uh, uh, then Nebraska got him. Yep, yep. Uh, I think there was a there was kind of a standing joke there that uh, Tommy told uh, uh, that uh, he, he was uh, Kevin Steele was playing cards with Tommy's mom, I think, or whatever. <laughs> like Tommy was, and that's when he persuaded, sort of persuaded the mom to influence Tommy to take a trip take a recruiting visit to Nebraska. Tommy wasn't going to take it, take a, a visit because he thought, well, I'm going to go, I forget which one it was, Colorado or? He was head, of, he was head of the Colorado, and I think Colorado said, you know, we're going to go to a three-wide, one-back like Washington and Miami run. And so they, they may have, they said, we still want you, but we may think about the defensive back side of the ball, right? And... And I think they went and got Coy Detmer. Yeah, uh, they got Detmer. I, I know that. Of Tommy. But, I, but <laughs> Tommy was not going to visit Nebraska. And then uh, Kevin Steele went out there and, and persuaded Tommy's mom to say to Tommy, well, you need to at least go take a visit. And once he took the visit, it was uh, it was over. It was over there. So it's a, ba- I mean, it's was, a balmy 19 degrees, probably. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's one thing you have to uh, present to, to recruits from those warm areas. Is you know it gets a little cool here, but uh, you know that's not the point. The point is you're coming here to to play football and and uh, get great academic support, and I think that's uh, that's a selling point as well. Mike, what uh, stuck out to you about Coach Frost presser today? We'll start there before we touch on some recruiting. Greg said, so thanks for having me. I'll talk to you. No, that's No, you know, it's, I thought Scott was seemed very uh, upbeat, um, which is not surprising. You know, these, these things are always that way. Everything is, is great at this point. You know, you, it's your imagination uh, that this team can be as good as it, it needs to be. Um, because of the guys that are coming in, the positions that are being filled and whatever. And, you know, I think that, as Greg said, you know, I think that Nebraska has done a pretty good job of uh, of uh, getting guys in the areas that uh, they needed to have some guys. And, uh, you know, it's, I, I hope, uh, I, I believe, Scott, I guess, when he says that there's going to be competition at quarterback, um, man, you know, they got some they got some talent there, I think, at quarterback. Uh, I was just counting a list here, and I'm probably missing somebody, but I got 14 wide receivers uh, working with Mickey Joseph. Mm-hmm. We got, uh, what, seven running backs working with, you know, scholarship running backs that are working with Applewhite. Um, and, and so it's going to, and some of these guys, in some instances, you know, they're going to be limited probably in the spring, but. Um, it's going to be an exciting spring, as it always is. You know, it, it, it's interesting, but the competition is going to be pretty, uh, pretty remarkable. I think a l- little bit unusual um, when you when you're given the numbers of players 
And, you know, we're going to see some of these guys uh, probably leave after spring mm-hmm. because they're going to look at it and say, you know, I'm not in a position where I'm going to have an opportunity to do a whole lot. Um, maybe if you're a freshman, it's a little bit different because you've got, you can look down to the future. But, um, gosh, when you've got uh, the number of quarterbacks, what, they got five scholarship quarterbacks now? Yeah. Um, you know, it, and I don't. I don't blame uh, a young guy that's got talent, you know, and he ends up being number five or whatever. Um, that's a that's a blow to your confidence. The confidence that made you the player that you are um, it takes a hit when you're in a situation like that. You've really got to believe that, uh, hey, down the line I'm going to have an opportunity. I'm going to com- keep competing, and I'm going to do, you know, everything that I need to do uh, to be the best I can be to, to, to be in that position. But, um, there's going to be a lot of competition, I think, in the spring, and that's, you know, that's going to be something that's exciting for people. Obviously, when you're talking about quarterbacks and running backs and wide receivers, but as we always talk, it's going to come down to whether they can develop an offensive line to help that, help the the talent that they've got at those positions, and that's the thing that is going to be interesting to me. As always, I say that, but. Um, is how is the offensive line going to develop? Who's going to fit into the places that uh, need to be need to be filled, and and how is that going to impact everything? Mike Babcock's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio on signing day. And, Mike, I'm right with you. I think this spring is going to be exciting from an outside perspective to be able to see what new faces uh, are, are in the program, what younger guys are going to be stepping up. And that, I guess, is my question to you, is, is which phase of the game are you most excited to see some of these new faces and some of these younger guys? I know offensively a lot of transfers coming in that are going to be trying to make a name for themselves. Defensively, you got a lot of young guys going to be trying to step up and, and fill some big shoes and, uh, and get on the field themselves. And on on special teams, uh, you got a new punter and a new kicker, as well as uh, Bill Bush coming in doing some work. So, so which phase of the game are you most excited to see? What kind of progress there is in spring ball? Well, if I, you know, if we can really see it, uh, obviously special teams. You've got to, you know, Nebraska's got to do a better job on special teams, and that's reflected by the fact that you know Bill Bush is a special teams coach. That's going to be his focus. Um, that's why they they made him uh, full time as a coach. And I have a lot of respect for Bill, and I think he can, you know, he can get the job done if he's got. First, you got to start off with the specialists, obviously, and you're going to have a new kicker and a new, new, uh, new putter, and uh, you know maybe a maybe a guy like uh, uh, Trey Palmer is is going to be a, a possible uh, uh, returner, uh, whatever you want to see some of those guys. But I think that they have to improve on special teams if this team is going to flip things around. Now, that's one thing that I think with the transfer portal and the way things are now, the way things change so dramatically, I think a team can flip from one year to the next from, you know, three and nine to to seven and five or whatever. I think you can make that flip because of all the transition. Everybody's, you know, making changes. And, again, the numbers – that Nebraska has at these positions. And, you know, somebody suggested about 30 new players uh, coming in here. Uh, you got five new coaches. Um, it's just going to be an interesting spring, and can they flip things? And where is my interest? Well, you know, 
special teams for sure, and then my standard reply is that offensive line. How does that line develop? And it'll be interesting to see these quarterbacks. Um, you know, that's we haven't seen anything like that for a while. No, the quarterback uh, competition is going to be fascinating uh, to see if I mean the the expectation is for for Thompson to win it, but he still has to go do it. And then just again, you got to do it on the field. But everybody I've talked to about Casey raves about his leadership, and I know that's also something that's uh, a talking point during the off season. But I, I guess I trust who I've talked to about Casey Thompson and his leadership. What really, what truly does make him different, Mike? Uh, you know, Nebraska has always been cutting edge, or they, they had been anyway with strength and conditioning, TV appearances, system they ran, and then just the the way they practice where you had your first and second team guys getting so many reps and then your third and fourth team guys also getting reps. This portal that allows uh, roster management, if you do it right, look at Mel Tucker and hit a couple of home runs, man, it can really be incredible. And Frost was asked about, you know, a full-time guy uh, when it comes to, to the portal and management. Nebraska could, again, have a, an advantage over a number of schools if, if they do this right. Yeah, yeah, that's possible. You know, the, a lot of the things that you mentioned, uh, Nebraska was on the cutting edge of that stuff, and now everybody kind of does mm-hmm. it. You know, that was the, the strength and conditioning thing was, you know, Nebraska was way ahead of just about everybody on that. And now everybody's kind of caught up on that. Nebraska's facilities were better. Academic counseling was better. Um, programs continue to keep, you know, catch up on those things. So, you know, you've got to find something maybe that's going to set you apart a little bit. And maybe that's something that, you know, you can evaluate. Uh, the guys in the transfer portal or whatever, somebody, that's their responsibility. Um, sounds like that's what Nebraska's going to try to do anyway. And, you know, it's important. It, it's especially important for Nebraska because of location. That's still a problem, you know, because it's it's not as dense a population here. Um, the weather can be a factor here. Um, there are other things that uh, you have to consider when you're recruiting or you're trying to get somebody in a transfer portal or whatever. And so you have to have an edge, figure out how to, how to have an edge, and maybe that's what they're doing. Mike Babcock's with us, HailVarsity.com and magazine historian, historian, author, Hall of Famer at MD Babs on Twitter is where you find him. Mike, good to chat some ball with you, bud. Stay warm, and uh, we'll get caught up again next week. How's that sound? Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate you, Mike. Good, good stuff from Babbers. Uh, we'll hit some Husker hoops. Andy Markowski in 25 minutes. Uh, Jimbo Fisher pulling the pin and launching. Uh, towards uh, NIL and recruiting. Uh, Hail Varsity continues. Hello, listener. This is Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hail Varsity, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hail Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe. 
promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Coming up here towards 5:30, we'll have some thoughts. A little two-minute drill with Scott Frost and the signing class from his press conference. Eddie Markowski on Husker Hoops. Real quick, uh, Nebraska going to have their lowest-rated recruiting class in years, but it's better than it was in mid-December. When it comes to national ranking, number 41 is where Nebraska comes in, number 10 in the Big Ten. That per the 24-7 sports composite. This does not include... Additions from the transfer portal. Nebraska landed a solid number eight in portal rank portal rankings, just in front of Alabama, who finished nine when it comes to the additions via the portal. That's what ESPN they went and kind of did their top ten mm-hmm. uh, schools based on portal. So I, th- I think USC finished number one, and then the portal king USC uh, better finish number one, yeah. uh, and then Kiffin, the portal king, finished number two. He did. Uh, we will hear from Lane Kiffin in a moment, and Jimbo Fisher in a moment. Frosty had uh, the, the the previous four classes were all top twenty. Uh, his lowest recruiting class at, at Central Florida was was twenty three. You look at Riley, his lowest recruiting class was was number 30 in 2015. Bose was was number 40 in 09. And that's I think those kids turned out to be pretty good if you if you go four and five years uh, down the road, that 2014 class 20 or that 2014 season, 2013 year. I know they didn't uh, win the Big Ten uh, West, but they were you know, nine ten win football team. What's what's interesting is where things went on the defensive line. I mean, they had a whole bunch of whiffs in 09 and twenty ten on the defensive line, and then you shift to the Big Ten. Uh, so getting Bonner is big. Getting Gould is big, and uh, Allen's nice. Ohio State finished one. Penn State in at two nationally Ohio State comes in at four Penn State at six Michigan still finishes three in the Big Ten and number eight that's despite this Harbaugh thing in limbo I've not seen anything official from the Vikings I've not seen anything official from Michigan saying hey welcome back Jimbo Indiana they're usually in the 40s and 50s uh, Coach Allen finished 21st in the country fourth overall Sparty in at 22 Iowa, a top 30 class in at 29. Rutgers in at 31, number 7 in the Big Ten. Maryland, uh, top 35, number 33. Uh, finishes 8th. Purdue, 9. Nebraska, 10. Wisconsin finishes 11th. They're always in that neighborhood of 35 to 40, it seems like. I know last year they were around 20. Illinois in at number 12. The Gophers in at 13. They develop incredibly well. And then there's Northwestern in at number 14 uh, with the 49th ranked recruiting class. Now, Northwestern, two or three years ago, I think they were in the 60s, and they ended up having a couple of, a couple of first-round guys go last year. They'll have a safety that goes first round this year. So uh, it's all about evaluation and development. You can uh, put the eyeball test and turn the film on and get the kids here. What do you do with them once they get here? And uh, Nebraska right now uh, finishes where they finished, uh, right around uh, 41. Let's uh, get a couple of thoughts recruiting-wise because it is the year of the portal and NIL, and you put those two things together, it can be great and it can be terrible. So first it's Jimbo Fisher. Don't ever accuse Jimbo 
of just handing out money at A&M because why would anybody do that, historically speaking, at A&M? Uh, him and his staff did a hell of a job. They finished number one in the country. Uh, they should with uh, the proximity to talent. But Jimbo went off today when it comes to uh, the the thought, the narrative that it's just, well, come to A&M, get paid. Uh, Jimbo says, hold on a minute. There is no $30 million fund. There is no $5 million. There is no $10 million. This is garbage, okay? And it does. It pisses me off that people, and here it comes from a site called Bro Bible by a guy named Slice Bread. Then everybody runs with it. So it's written on the Internet. It's gospel. How irresponsible is that? You got, I'm going to tell you, some of, there's some very reputable writers in college football and sports that wrote it and have said it and have done things. That's unbelievable to me. Some, I, when I first heard it, I laughed. I said, oh, yeah, what a clown. I mean, somebody, I didn't even think anything of it because I don't have social media. And it kept building, and lately I've heard more about it. To me, it's insulting to the players that we recruited that that's why they would come here. You ever been to a game here? You ever come to school here and see the education? You ever talk about the 12th man, the Aggie Network, when you're done? There ain't a better university in this country. And it's insulting to what you say. And all these, and we got writers who, who have said it and done it off sliced bread. Guy named Slice who made it up. Love to see who sliced bread is and put it out there with sliced bread. Let me find out where it comes from. And then to have coaches in our league and across this league to say it, clown acts. All right? <laughs> Irresponsible as hell. Multiple coaches in our league. And the guys griping about NIL, griping about transfer portal, using it the most and bragging about it the most. That's the ironic part. You want character? I'll, trust, I'll take it with any of y'all. It's a joke. It does piss me off. What are, we worry about the kids and social media and Internet. How about grown-ups? How about the guys that are supposed to be setting an example? How about writers who are supposed to be writing the right thing? How about coaches who are supposed to be doing the right thing? And I'll tell you what, I know how some of those guys recruit too. Don't dig into that. I know the history, I know the tradition, I know, and I know things. Trust me, you don't want to go down that avenue. It's ridiculous, and it's irresponsible, and it's unbelievable. I ain't just talking about one. Multiple people got NIO issues. It's funny, when Nick Saban said his quarterback got an $800,000 deal, it was wonderful. Now it ain't wonderful no more, huh? But ours, at, ours we ain't got that. Ours are on record what comes up. We ain't doing all them big deals. There ain't none on our place that we know of. That's funny when you do it. It's hippie. And then we gripe about the transfer portal, and you, take, you guys take more than everybody. What's about that? And what goes on? Hip, the hypocrisy is a joke. Yeah, it is. Very hypocritical. So there's a lot of shots at one lane Kiffin there. There's some shade in Alabama, and you can toot your horn because you actually beat him in a walk-off. But Lane Kiffin, speaking out about just worried about kids going to the highest bidder. And that always happened when it was illegal. Now, technically, it's a level playing field if you have friends of the program. If you've got those shadowy booster figures that have a payroll, a la SMU and Eric Dickerson. So here's Lane's take on things. Well, it's, it's the video is loading for some reason. I'm not sure why it's not. We, the, the Wi-Fi in here is, uh, is giving us some issues right now. That's all right. I thought I was like, wow, Lane sounds a lot like Elijah. <laughs> hey, I think I could do it down all, there. All he needs to do is is grow a mustache like Elijah. 
Are we going to just carry this thing over? Let's, let's, let's carry it over because I'm just getting a black screen right now. Yeah, you know. So, Frosty will be uh, on here at 525. Uh, his comments from the press conference, Andy Markowski, to go over Husker hoops. I don't know what to tell you other than uh, you should have expected last night to go the way it went in basketball. Uh, and you, you had uh, a key moment with uh, Kisei Tomonaga losing his, his, his mind at midcourt. That flipped everything. He's very demonstrative to the point of annoyance. If you're playing against him, if you love Nebraska basketball, you're like, hey, he's our guy, so whatever. But that screwed the team. It wasn't the factor, but it didn't help. Uh, Some more thoughts here on signing day 2.0. We wind down hour one with Hale Varsity. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Great to be with you on Signing Day 2.0. Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Good gets for Nebraska with Bonner and A.J. Allen. Big body, wide out, 6-3-2 bills. Can run, 50-50 ball guy. And uh, a big dude with speed, great feet, wonderful vision. Shiftiness uh, with Allen. That's kind of the uh, the recruiting rundown in a nutshell. But two more names, two more flips for Nebraska. Reminder <clears throat> about buckling up, using your seatbelt saves lives, prevents injuries, only if properly worn. Buckle up, a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Are we ready for Lane or no? Okay, Lane Kiffin uh, bemoaning NIL and, uh, well, Lane's, Lane's smooth, but this is getting called out by one Jimbo in his same division. Have the same, you know, funding resources as, as some of these schools do, you know, to, for these NIL deals. And so it's basically like dealing with different salary caps. We now have a sport that has completely different salary caps, and some of these schools are, you know, whatever, five, ten times more than everybody else of what they can pay the players. So I know nobody uses those phrases, but that is what it is. So I joked the other day, I didn't know if Texas A&M was going to occur a luxury tax, you know, <laughs> and, um, how much they paid for their signing class. You know, when free agency in the NFL, players usually go to the most money. Every once in a while, they, they don't because they already have a bunch of money. Well, these kids are 17, 18 years old. They're going to go to where they're paid the most. So I'm not complaining. It just is what it is. It's a... Whenever there's things created, there's a lot of times problems people didn't think about, um, you know. And so you just legalize paying players what people used to cheat. So the the the, the luxury tax is is hilarious. That's funny. Thirty million, fifty million school school seriously. Those kids aren't going to school for free. That from our friend Rock Westfall fall on Twitter. Uh, what did uh, Carlisle say, or Cardale Jones say? We ain't come here to play school. Right. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. Pretty funny. It's, it's, Look, it's, listen to Lane. I mean, listen, I mean, no one has as much money as A&M. Legit. They have oil. They have ego. They have their own pretend military outfit that will storm uh, 
a spring break beach by near you. I mean, they're just they're just they're good folks. I mean, the folks I know that have been at A and M, but it's just different down there. And for them to land this, and Jimbo can coach, and Jimbo's great with talent, but when the talent goes goodbye, I mean, he's seven and five and leaving Florida State. Uh, I mean, it's it's thick. You got A and M that has been in the SEC. They've had moments where the Johnny Football era existed, and they were ten and two under R.C. Slocum every season, or nine and three, and then they go to a bowl game and, and score nine points with an incredible defense. They need to, well, the money is in the mouth. They need to start winning some ball games. And, and step one was great because they knocked off Bama, but they still had a three-game losing streak. Pirates still beat them by a field goal. They lost to Arkansas, right? I mean, that season was ready to unravel till they hit a game-winning kick. Now, it was year one, but is as much resource and finance and influence as that joint has down there, as football crazy as the 12th man is, waving their white towels, they better crank out some titles. Not just SEC West. I mean, Jimbo better be in the playoff in three years. Guaranteed contract or not for $750 million. I want to get your take on this argument, Taylor. Who, who do you think is, is correct? Do you think it's Lane or do you think it's Jimbo? Who's, who's lying? Neither are lying. They're both right. But Lane shouldn't. Lane can't come off as a victim mm. because there's some. Old Miss has been notorious for years. Old Miss has got money. How many? How many times do you see a kid with a with you know a Tupac type wad of dough on signing day when you freeze was down there? Andy Markowski's next. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's Hale Varsity dot com backslash subscribe promo code gbr welcome to hail varsity radio the voice of husker nation insight opinion expertise with the biggest and best names talking nebraska across the state join the show on twitter at hail varsity and at schmitz underscore radio call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865 here's chris schmitz more signing day 2.0 ahead. Thoughts from Scott Frost at 525. A nail biter last night and familiar finish for Nebraska basketball 8579 at Chrysler Arena. Now the women put in some work despite tough from uh, from three-point land. And we welcome in uh, Husker standout Pride of Ord, Eddie Markowski, also an assistant with the Pious Girls high school basketball team at uh, Markowski underscore Andy. I see him uh, during March with uh, NET's coverage of the state basketball tournament. Andy, what's good, man? How you doing? I'm doing well, Schmitty. Just uh, trying to stay warm here. A little, little Arctic uh, cold. Not fun. You were putting for dough on Monday, and now you're wearing a stocking hat. 
Welcome to Nebraska, right? <laughs> That's true. So you did not deny putting for dough on Monday. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Eddie, I got to start off with uh, the Nebraska men last night. And, you know, the question is this. Can they, can they get better? Can they put uh, some sort of run together with this part of their schedule? There's no easy nights in the Big Ten. Uh, and we're just, you know, wondering how February will, will work. And then there's March in a disappointing season. Did last night feel or look any different to you, or do you look at the bottom line, it being another loss, what, an 18th consecutive loss against Power 5 and and another loss, a consecutive loss in conference? Yeah, I got to break the season up into into two halves. You, you know, you kind of had your pre-Christmas, which, you know, left everybody kind of scratching their heads and, and, and wondering, you know, post-Christmas, you know, this group has been, you know, much better. I, I think they've played with more of a purpose. Um, they've been more competitive, you know, minus a, a Purdue game and, and, and that Rutgers, you know, they've, they've been in a big 10 games on the road, you know, more so at home, um, you know, shot selection, uh, toughness. They've, they've, they've grown in a lot of areas. Um, so I, I'm encouraged in the in the sense of um, it'd be easy for this team to, to just kind of go away and 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 have uh, you know kind of an embarrassing finish and they're they're hanging in there uh, to the point where you feel bad for them. They they played well enough to win uh, yesterday. I I was not at the uh, I was at the Nebraska women's game, but but listened to the start of the second half on the radio and then caught the end of the game and you know just some bad bounces. You know we had a three go in and out. Michigan had a three you know that hit six parts of the rim and then went down and you just feel like. You know, a little like the football team, they just can't get out of their own way to, to, to win a few of these games. Um, but the schedule does turn in their favor. Um, they have six games against the bottom, you know, five teams in the league uh, in a row here. And, you know, I think I'm like all the fans, at some point you, you have to start winning. Um, and, you know, I think Fred knows that. I think the, the kids know that. Um, but they have to break through and, and, and find a way to start winning basketball games. Eddie, it seemed like Nebraska settled. They were up. And then they were down, and then they put a run together, and then Michigan, you know, ripped off a twenty to six spurt with Tominaga's technical. That's four points that, and another couple of free throws drew Michigan within a point. And listen, I, I don't think you have ever done this, but have you ever seen someone freak out at half court? Uh, and and get a, and get teed up uh, on a, on a on a questionable no call. I mean, I guess my my question is, should Nebraska be above that emotion in that moment? Well, when your when your margin is really small, Chris, right? I mean, mm-hmm. which their margin is, um, you you can't have those plays. I mean, you know, you you have to minimize uh, the things that that you can control that could go wrong, and you know, certain given. Michigan three points in hindsight, you know, wasn't, um, you know, didn't didn't help the outcome, you know. But there were some turnovers late, you know, a couple, you know, questionable transition decisions. Um, you know, McGowan's had a great game, but you know, one time he was just off balance instead of kind of dribbling it out or coming to a jump stop, you know, just kind of threw it at the rim, and then Michigan raced it down and, and scored. And, and those are the plays that, um, you know, if you can just eliminate ten. 12, 14 of those plays, uh, it enhances your chance to win. So, you know, um, you know, with Tominaga's, you know, language barrier and, and, and then the motion, you know, you just, you, you can't, 
you know, fault the kid for, for being, you know, angry that it, it probably was a, a missed call when, when you look at the, the replay in slow motion. But, you know, that technical was, was a big call. And, and, you know, once again, it's just a, a negative play that has kept this team from, from having a chance to win these close games. What did you think of Fred's lineup to close? And that was Webster, Kesey, Wiltshire, Bryce, Walker, down the stretch. It's the lineup that, that got a, a run put together to retake the lead, but it's also the lineup he stuck with. There was no Verge. There was no Trey, the final 12 and a half. Trey I can kind of get based on the pitch count they're probably being careful with, but no Verge. And I know Verge had a tough time uh, once uh, once the, the, the lane got clogged again. Yeah, I'm not going to question without watching the whole game. You know, certainly, uh, you know, that stretch got them back in it, right? I mean, they they were down, and that that group, you know, had a little rhythm and momentum. Um, you know, did you have your best defensive group out there? You know, you could argue that, that McGowan's would, would have been better uh, than Tobin Auget, but yet, you know, you, you don't want to burn a timeout to have to, to, to sub back offense to defense. So I, I don't want to get into that questioning of, of Fred you, you hope that he knows his his team well and matchups and, and all of that are, are, are stuff that the assistants and him are, are discussing as, as you're getting into the last few minutes of a basketball game you know it's just they did the group that they had out there just didn't make you know enough plays Webster you know turned it over a key I mean you know Tobin Tob gave up a, a layup um, you know they, they, each of the guys out there kind of made a play that that hurt them but yet you know, they, they, they could have went away with uh, with a Michigan's run to start the half, and, and that group didn't as well. So, um, you know, in hindsight, you can always piece it together and, and, and always analyze it and say we should have done this at this point. But, um, you know, they didn't. They lost. And, and you know, I, I just think the frustration is, is starting to mount on the, on the whole program. Andy, you mentioned that run coming out of halftime for, for Michigan. And I know basketball is a game of runs and something you got to expect. But why does it feel like Nebraska struggles so much to start the second half just about every single game, uh, game in, game out? It feels like, I mean, last night I think the run was 24 to 4 at one point uh, coming out of halftime. So just what can explain that? Is there something going on in the locker room that, that is just getting this team down? Is, is Hoiberg losing the team at halftime? I just can't seem to understand why there so consistently seems to be bad play coming out of halftime. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, it's something that, that I think they need to look at, um, you know, what adjustments are being made. You know, every game's a little different. I mean, you know, as a coach, and I remember this as an athlete, when, when you started this uh, half slow, we, we changed, uh, you know, the second half warm-up, you know, get, getting kids out there with a little bit more time to, to get ready to, to play the second half. I, you know, I think they have to look at, and all those things, I mean, you know, one of which, you know, Michigan's big got out of foul trouble and, and started the second half. I, I think that was probably the, the biggest reason why they were able to, to go on a run. They finally you know, got, got to uh, their starting lineup back on the floor to, to start the second half. But, you know, there, there's always, uh, you know, there's a thousand variables that you're trying to manage as a coach. And, you know, if that's a, a, a pattern you have to look at who you're starting um you know the preparation the adjustments you're making at halftime and you know once again that four minute stretch is is huge in, in determining uh you know how the second half momentum goes and, and nebraska really lost control of of what was a really well played first half Eddie, what do you think of bryce and in his growth uh was really good last night he's been more and more efficient 
not perfect, but he's playing really high level uh, for a freshman. And, and, you know, a lot of guys, as young as he is, hit the wall this far into the season. He seems to be getting stronger. Yeah, he's had a great, you know, freshman year. Um, you know, everybody sees the warts, right? There's some things that you wish he could do better, physicality, rebounding. But, you know, he's going to shatter the freshman, you know, scoring record. I, I think I saw something online today. Um, he's already fourth all time. And, you know, that list is, is pretty impressive with, with, you know, players that had great careers at Nebraska. And, you know, Dave Hoppin is at the top of that. And, and I think he's going to blow by him in, in the next uh couple of weeks so you know he's a tremendous talent uh, you know unfortunately um it hasn't went well for for the team and you know i think he's taken a, a little bit of of the blame for that uh but yet you know to your point chris he's he's uh performed well in in, in big games he's, he's played more efficient i think his shot selection you know has gotten better uh even though um there's times that we get stagnant and he's forced to maybe go get the ball and try to make something happen in late clocks that can come across as as selfish, but you know, for for a freshman, knowing how physical and hard and, and well coached that Big Ten is, um, you know, he he keeps improving and finding shots, and his consistency from the three has gotten better throughout the season, uh, which is a credit to probably the the time and you know energy he's spending in the gym shooting uh, and getting extra shots. Andy, uh, a thought here for this weekend: Northwestern comes to town. Is this weekend the day the the streak finally goes away? Yeah, I, I sure hope so. I mean, I was an athlete. Um, you know, no no one likes to lose. I mean, they're competitive kids. You know, fans are competitive. Um, you know, they've played better. They have played better. Uh, I see the growth and improvement. Um, I, you know, I hope they break through. You know, there's, there's still um, a lot of wins on their schedule. If, if they can, you know, keep playing as consistent as, as they have been playing uh, through stretches of, of a lot of the games over the last month, um, you know, they need something good to happen for them. Um, you know, without winning uh, over the next couple of weeks, you, you can start to, you know, want the season to get over. And, and if you ever get to that mindset, uh, you can lose by, you know, 30 and 40 points pretty easy. So, you know, I, I hope they break through. It's alumni uh, weekend on, on uh, Sundays or Saturday. So, you know, I'm excited to go back and, and be around the program. A lot of former players are going to be back. So it'd be a great, you know, great way to, to spend the day and, and, and help them enjoy a win. Andy, let's talk. Uh, Andy, Andy Markowski is with us, uh, Hale Varsity Radio. Let's talk about the Husker women. Uh, uh, hard-fought ball game against Rutgers. And, uh, man, Alexis continues. Man, she's found such a, a great rhythm and really playing well. We talk about Bryce. She's played great basketball in, in, in her freshman season. Uh, touch on just kind of the, uh, the rhythm she's in. Well, yeah, they, they've they've got a great group, as as you know, and you know when you get a chance to play with with great teammates, and and um, you know they have good depth in the post. Um, their guard play has been great, so Alexis has has been really fortunate to come into a you know a good situation, been accepted by our teammates. Um, you know, has, has just grown in confidence and, and and finding ways to to help the team win games, and you know that's allowed her minutes to to go up, and her productivity has kind of gone up with with their minutes and, you know, just happy for, for the group of girls. I've gotten to know them and hopefully they can, they can keep it going. They've uh, positioned themselves well up to this point with, uh, you know, with another home game here tomorrow night. So, um, 
you know, this time of year, it's just uh, last night was kind of a rock fight. But, you know, hopefully they can they can catch some, some momentum and play their bas- best basketball down the stretch. Now, Alexis is shooting north of, uh, I think, 60%, almost 70% from three on the season. Uh, I know we talked about her three-point shooting a few weeks ago, but w- were you even expecting her to be shooting the ball from behind the arc that well? Yeah, I get asked that a lot. And, and certainly Alexis has... Uh, Expanded her game, you know, um, didn't do it a ton in high school, but did it in the summer. Um, you know, sit there and say she was going to make six threes and score 16 points against Iowa in a quarter. I mean, that, that obviously has exceeded uh, her mom and I's expectations. But, um, you know, she's really, you know, for the first time in her life, has focused on just one sport. She split her time with volleyball and basketball. And, and, and since the end of high school basketball season, uh, it's been all basketball. So her, her amount of growth over the last, you know, seven to eight months has, has really been uh, phenomenal to, to watch. And, you know, her confidence is, is way up, which is a, a big part of, of the success that she's having. Um, so hopefully she can, you know, last night she, she missed a few. I, I keep talking to her that water tends to find its level, right? That you're probably not going to have a better percentage than Steph Curry, but mm-hmm. keep keep shooting and, and and enjoy it while it lasts. But um, but no, it, it's been fun to to see that success. Um, you know, it, it allows her to to expand her game and make sure that the, the other team is guarding her out to the three point line, which helps her teammates you know get open and have driving lanes as well. So. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're hoping uh, they, they keep going in because she's worked hard to expand that part of her game. Andy Markowski with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Andy, about 30 seconds. When's the next horse game in the driveway between uh, Alexis and you? Can we come watch that? Yeah, I, uh, I stopped playing her one-on-one uh, last, uh, I don't know if you ever read the article, I was trying to guard her before we played Omaha Central, uh, which they had, you know, 6'6 six, six and 6'5. And yeah. And she hit me so hard, I, I I hit my elbow and head on the floor when she knocked me down. So a horse would be the only thing that I would do against her anymore. So, And I'm not so sure I will even do that because I don't know if I can uh, – I have a, a pretty good trick shot where I can go behind my back and make it, which tends to get him out. So without that, I have a hard time winning. But um, cer- certainly those games exist in our family, and, and it's fun to, to share those experiences with all four of my kids. That's awesome. Eddie, have a good uh, good rest of your week, bud. Thanks for the time today. All right, fellas. Thanks. Take care. You know, I didn't see or hear that, that Andy got McHaled in his own driveway. Or at the the pious gym last year, I, I guess the, uh, the 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 2022 equivalent would be Grayson Allen against Alex Caruso. Right, well, and I said McHale. McHale's the dance step king for the Celtics of, of yesteryear. I should have said Shacked. Call it call it the Markowski rules. Okay, sure. <laughs> like the Jordan rules. Yeah, it's similar. Uh, thoughts from Scott Frost on signing day next to Tailbar City Radio. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe promo code GBR. 
Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Big thanks to Andy Markowski on Husker basketball and the Husker women as uh, they got it handled last night and found a way. The men trying to break through on Saturday. And uh, we'll see if they can put it together with shot selection in uh, those winning moments. And uh, the little things, right? Turnover, offensive rebound, and uh, you're up with a few minutes left. We're talking three, four minutes, and, and you're still ahead, right? I mean, you've done everything to, to survive Michigan's response run and put your own run together. And then I would like to see Hoiberg maybe call some sets out. And not that he hasn't or doesn't, but it just looked like Nebraska got settle happy with some quick threes, just some quick shots in the shot clock. And totally different ball game without Hunter Dickinson in, clearly. I mean, Nebraska, the equal of Michigan, Dickinson, Dickinson, the, 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 the difference there. But legit, I mean, just the way that finished with the Kobe turnover, uh, they picked on Tomonaga on the offensive end where they just ran right at him, got him isolated, and his man scored a couple baskets in a row without much help defense. And then you get the offensive rebound uh, after a, a, a miss. You held Michigan to, I think, 2 of 12 or 2 of 13 from 3. Gave up 14. I make that 18 second chance points, 14 in the second half. They're always going to get slapped on the offensive glass, but timing's been as bad as the number. (laughs) Not just if, but when that happens. And, yeah, they got to do a little bit better job to to create some space for for Bryce. He did a great job, and his shots, I'd say 80% of his shots were good shots. Yeah, I think in my memory, I count maybe two bad three-pointers all night from Bryce. Maybe three. No, I, I get you. But there I was mean, one in transition that was iffy. There was one that, that Kobe took in the corner quick. We're talking around that three- to two-minute mark. And you're still tied at 79 with a minute 20 left. But you knew what was going to happen as a Husker fan. You knew somebody on the offensive end was going to try to go hero ball, and they were going to put up a, a terrible shot. Yeah. It, it is it's every game, and 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 that's where I want I want the old Phil Jackson treatment where Fred's whistling or throwing something or getting the attention, and let's let's call the play like you saw Kobe on the pick and roll, and you found Lat on that dunk towards the end of the game. I think it was against Illinois or excuse me against Indiana. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you've got a <laughs> wealth of of things you can call, and you're a smart enough coach offensively to know when to call them. I love you for trusting your kids to make the right play. They don't. <laughs> More times than not. Something goes wrong. Uh, Husker football. Let's uh, get some thoughts from Scott Frost. And pretty adamant about this new normal where it's portal, it's JUCO, it's high school, it's transfer. And, and that is how you reset your roster. Like it, hate it, or, yeah, just deal with it. Here's Coach. It feels different, Sean, but everything's changing. And other than the new coaching faces, I think this is kind of where where it's going. You know, there's so many kids getting in the portal, so many changes, uh, people jumping around, and and I expect that uh, this year will kind of be the new normal going forward. 
adapt or die. Nebraska's adapted. They'll continue to do so. And uh, you look at a guy like uh, Bill Bush and Mickey Joseph and, and even Applegate. Uh, it's Applewhite. Applewhite, thank you. I was thinking of Applegate from uh, <laughs> high school. Yeah, Applewhite. Uh, I've blocked out the, the, the name Applewhite since 1998. Clearly not the coach, but the name. Still makes me reach for vodka. Uh, okay, uh, let's get the update here on Bonner uh, from Frost here. In his words, the receiver Nebraska is getting. Janiron Bonner, uh, a guy we kind of got on late, uh, was kind of looking around uh, after the early signing period. Um, he's one of the guys you put on his tape, and it takes you about two plays to realize his athletic ability. You know, Mickey did a really good job with him. Coach Beck did a really good job with him. Uh, I went down and saw him the last week of recruiting. Uh, really impressed by um, his talent, but also the, the type of kid that he is. Um, had a great team around him, and uh, we're excited to add him. I think he can be a big play guy for us down the road. 13 scholarship wideouts. We will talk about who stays and who goes uh, after April 9th. But there's going to be a high demand and buy-in, I would imagine, because of the proof that's well playing in the Super Bowl. But uh, the proof that's also playing in Vegas this weekend uh, when it comes to Pro Bowl wideouts in the NFL. And the proof of back-to-back offensive rookies of the year, correct? Justin Jefferson. and well, Jamar Chase isn't official yet, but he's he's got it. He's going to be offensive rookie of the year. I, I, would, I would get it. I mean, the, the way Chase closed this season, <laughs> um, I mean, we're, we're talking MVP votes. We're, we're talking top five wide receivers in the league as the league stands right now, as yeah. a rookie. No, he's he's fantastic. He's unguardable. A.J. Allen, really good running back. Nebraska got to flip from TCU. Applewhite made that happen. Pretty crowded running back room, but that's a good thing. A.J. Allen is, is kind of interesting because uh, we were kind of shopping for one more running back at the position, another freshman. I didn't know anything about him until I started interviewing running back coaches. Uh, Coach Applewhite mentioned him to me kind of the same way when I put on his tape. Uh, he's one of my favorite guys that I watched all year. There's, there's a lot of backs that can, that can do some things. I think he's a guy that can potentially do everything that we need a, a running back to do. I'm really impressed with his quickness and ability to make somebody miss in short space and in the hole. Another great family and, again, somebody that kind of popped up onto my radar late, but I'm really glad we got him. Well, you have uh, guys like Joseph and, and Applewhite. They, they have a great radar system. Their, their grid is vast, and, and that helps – in these situations and, and i'll say from my untrained eye watching aj allen of any running back that has been brought here out of the high school ranks to nebraska he looks the most college ready not untrained eye here i'm no college coach i'm just watching the highlights which are like the you know highlights I'm not putting low lights in there but from his feet to his quickness to his top end speed he, he looks like one of those guys where i actually watch his film and i go this guy looks like a college running back well let's hear from him there's a snippet of allen and the process and uh, the recruitment. This was uh, his signing day moment this morning around 9 o'clock. I mean, I went to Nebraska. I was like, man, this is kind of far away, but, you know, I got to do what's best for me at the end of the day. You know, they, they game sell out every home game, you know, hundreds of thousands of people be there. So, you know, I like to play in those kind of type games. You know, I like their environment. So, Did you enjoy the recruiting process, or did it get a little stressful for you? Yes, sir. Throughout the whole time, it was stressful. That's why I didn't sign the first sign today. You know, 
coming to times like this, you know, I'm like one of the first person out of my family to go to college, like, you know, sign a, um, a contract to go to college, you know, to um, play football and, you know. A year ago, could you envision this moment? Yes, sir, I knew to keep working in the summertime. I knew I would go somewhere and play football, but you know, at the end of the day, I want to get my academics right too, so. Big relief now that it's over? Yes, sir. Um, no, my heart kind of beating fast right now <laughs> at the moment. The moments before you sign, what is it like? Walk us through that process. I mean, everybody was here to support me. You know, everybody kept texting me all night long, where are you going, where are you going? You know, I was like, we're going to see tomorrow, you know, and it happened today. When you called Nebraska, did they even know yet? Oh, yeah, so they knew last night, so. What was the reaction you told the coaches? Oh, everybody, you know, they ready, they ready for me to put this out right now. <laughs> the coaches love that phone call. Uh, quarterback's a big topic today, and uh, you have two in the portal. You have a number of kids still on campus that uh, are scholarship players and let the best win the job and then develop a backup that can come in and do their thing if and when a first-string quarterback goes down in the Big Ten. But here's Coach Frost on the topic of adding two quarterbacks. You know, we usually carry five Sam scholarship guys. We were down to to three returning. Um, so, So we felt like we needed to get the numbers back up uh, looking forward to some competition at some of these positions and that being one of them uh, but there's a lot of n- a new phases and new additions that are going to be able to compete with our guys and push them um, we're going to let the best man win but uh, we-, we felt like in order to get that position back to where it should be that uh, that maybe adding two and-, and if we could find the two right ones that we wanted them sounds like uh, one of the right ones Casey Thompson and Frost expanded on the type of player and uh, and person Nebraska's getting in Thompson. Yeah, first of all, his dad's an option quarterback, and I have a soft spot in my heart for Tommy Frazier and Eric Crouch and Turner Gill and Dee Dallas and even Mickey Joseph. Um, it's a dying fraternity, but I got to see uh, his dad the other day, and it was great to see and talk a little football with him. Uh, the biggest thing I've noticed so far, we haven't gotten a chance to see him do much um, with the football or anything, but the biggest thing I notice already is just the leadership coming from those guys and the energy coming from those guys, and that's what a quarterback's supposed to do, uh, supposed to pick up the level of play from everybody around them, and uh, that's tough to do in your first week on campus or your first two weeks on campus, but but he's doing it. Uh, look forward to working with him, have Coach Whipple work with him. Uh, same with Chubba has been doing a great job with that too, along with the other quarterbacks, but um, we need we need leadership from that position, and we need a guy that's going to say, "Hey, I'm, get behind me. I, we're going to go win this thing, and, and I'm going to lead you there." And you get that feel from those guys. Coach Frost touched on the the narrative that's out there, and a lot of us expect Thompson to win the job, but he's got to go compete for the job. It wasn't just a handout. Here come the Nebraska, Casey Thompson. The job is yours. Uh, that that isn't the. The reality, Coach Frost commented on that narrative. Yeah, that's not my narrative. Um, there's a lot of narratives around that uh, aren't really based in fact. Um, he's going to have every opportunity to start, and he knows that. Uh, the other guys are going to get their opportunities too. And uh, we got a long time to work with them and a spring ball and a fall camp to figure it all out. So the topic of in-state recruiting, uh, always an emphasis or should be, 
that's more of a reality now with uh, with what Mickey Joseph's doing. And then the region, Greg Smith talked about it, recruiting the region. A lot of talent in that 500-mile radius, Coach Frost, on uh, you know what Nebraska has been doing in-state. Yeah, you know, it's been tough, especially with COVID, because we haven't had a chance to get around Nebraska coaches as much as we want to. And and some of those relationships need our attention and and uh, having a lot of guys in Nebraska. The first day we went out, we sent our whole coaching staff out in Nebraska, except for me because I had COVID. Um, so we, we want Nebraska kids here. And, and obviously, uh, Mickey has a lot of relationships, and people know him. Uh, Barrett has a lot of relationships, and people know him. So those will be the primary Nebraska recruiters for us. Uh, there's a lot of talent, um, in my opinion, coming up in the state of Nebraska in the region. So uh, that's where our, our, our attention is going to be. More from Scott Frost before we wind it down. It's uh, signing day 2.0. Hail Varsity continues, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a hot preteen Swedish boy. Back into it at Tale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday with Nebraska Orthopedic Center. We say hi to Dr. Brandon Seifert. Dr. Brandon, you getting geared up for the Super Bowl? That's going to be a good one, absolutely. A little, little bummed that uh, Brady's not going to be there, uh, but still should be pretty awesome. Pretty cool that Burroughs brought his team there. That's amazing. Just think about Tom. Uh, Tom could take a, a whole city to the Super Bowl and still have some money left over. Uh, that could be step one in his retirement. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. <laughs> well, we and I will both sit back and laugh at Super Bowl ticket prices. Uh, what's cool. not a laughing matter, Dr. Brandon, is Cincinnati's weapon at tight end. You know the SEC well, and uh, Auburn product, C.J. Uzama, had a really nice impact early on to kind of settle in uh, the young quarterback, Joe Burrow, finding that tight end safety valve, but tough hit in that first half for Ozama uh, with the knee, and uh, we're working on an MCL sprain. Yeah, you know, that's what they came out with and put out there about an MCL sprain. So, you know, good, you know, good news for him from that perspective, um, just in terms of not going to need any surgery for that. You know, it should be a reasonably short recovery. Now I think the conversation has switched to, you know, how soon can we get this gentleman back? Is he, you know, a potential to play um, you know, for the Super Bowl? Um, still some speculation on that. You know, and as we've talked before, let, let's kind of rewind back to, you know, our anatomy. So if you think about an MCL, the term for that's medial, medial collateral ligament. That would be the ligament that's on the inside part of your knee and basically resist force that brings the knee towards the inside of your body. 
Um, and so varying degrees of that, that's pretty simple in terms of the scale we have. That's grade one to grade three. Grade one means you know you have pain there. You've kind of had a partial strain, but really there's no looseness in the ligament. As you move into a grade two, now there is some looseness in the ligament, but what we describe it's got a good end point to it. So we kind of lean on it as a nice firm stopping point. That puts you in a grade two. You're probably looking at about maybe up to 50, 50% of the fibers torn there. And then as you move into a grade three, there really is not a good end point. It kind of feels like it's loose all the way across. And that's when you're looking at you know, north of 50% of those fibers torn. Um, so as you look at that perspective of that spectrum of you know grades, what's important about that is we can use that to kind of guide essentially how soon can you return. When you look at a re recovery perspective, so grade one, typically they're back within one to three weeks. Uh, grade two sometimes take three to six weeks, then your grade threes up to three months, and that potentially could need surgery with the grade three. And usually with the grade three, you're going to start seeing other types of you know injuries associated with that, whether it's ACL, cartilage versus meniscus. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us at Jock Doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. We're talking C.J. Uzama, Cincinnati tight end. We don't know officially yet from Cincinnati what grade we're, we're working with, but if it's if it's a grade three, is it tough to, to repair uh, those sprains? If you have to go surgical intervention, it, it's not quite torn, thankfully, but yet it's it's kind of on the on the uh, the fringe. Would it be better if it was just torn to do a repair, or is it harder to do uh, that that grade three fix? Yeah, you know. So from a yeah, good question. So from a treatment perspective, obviously the it's pretty simple here. I mean, obviously the lower grade, the better. You want to right. You know, if you're in kind of a, if you're in kind of a grade two zone. Um, and you start to see some of that tearing really kind of get close to where that meniscus on that side attaches. If you mm -hmm. remember that meniscus is that cartilage pad in between the two bones. When you start to get in a situation where it starts to pull into that and it starts to create some instability in that meniscus, that would be something that would kind of lead you down the surgery pathway for fixing that MCL and then also you know, stabilizing the meniscus at the same time. Um, unfortunately, that's pretty darn rare for that to happen in a grade two. Um, and so, you know, Honestly, you're much better off to have, you know, one to be treated non-operatively, which in essence to treat it non-operatively, it means that the meniscus is still stable and you're going to get some scarring in that ligament. And those really do very well. Once you get to that grade three level, there are even some grade threes that you know, can heal on their own. And so not every grade three has to be fixed. Um, that's a little bit, you know, there's some debate about that. But again, the big thing there always is once that MCL starts to involve that meniscus attachment and you start to get some peel up of that meniscus and creating stability there, then you really you need to fix that. And, and they do much better when you do that. Uh, but again, it's a big, it's a big operation, um, you know, obviously long recovery on that. Uh, but they do well. Uh, there's you know, quite a bit of stiffness to work through uh, with that. More than instability, it's more kind of from a stiffness perspective. It, it takes a while to, to regain that mobility and that kind of functional return. How do you get the flexibility back? Is it through stretches and exercises and, you know, some of the PT? What's what's the process in coming back? And, and you know, what what's your take here? I know it, it depends on the grade, but is it too much to ask for, for CJ to be back for Super Bowl Sunday? Yeah, you know, so just to answer the first part of that, um, you know, obviously therapy is huge. You mentioned that. And for us, you know, as a sports doc, therapy is so critical for what we do. So we get we try to get people plugged into therapy right away. There are some restrictions and some very a very close kind of protocol you have to follow with the meniscus with the meniscus and even MCL repair. And so you kind of limit some range of motion. 
might even limit a little bit of some weight bearing early on, but there's some things we can do to kind of counteract that to continue to help the quad muscle get strong after surgery. Um, one of the things that we're utilizing is called a blood flow restriction, where they're actually, it's pretty simplistic. We use a tourniquet during the rehab process to restrict blood flow, and it kind of helps fatigue that quad pretty quickly, um, which is something you use to kind of, oh, kind of a pseudo-athletic environment to help stimulate the quad growth. Um, but to go and flip the coin back to you, yeah, can we get him ready, this gentleman ready to play in the Super Bowl? You know, there's a chance. You know, they didn't say specifically what he had for a grade, whether it's a grade one or two. Uh, but if he's on that grade one spectrum, I think there's a good chance he can come back. Um, the big thing there is, you know, with that kind of earlier return, you always worry about kind of retweaking it. Again, you could take it to higher grade at that point or potentially for something else. But in the Super Bowl setting, yeah, I think there's a good potential he makes it back to the grade one. If it's a grade two, it's going to be tough. You might, might have to flip the coin on that one. And that one's a little risky. When you start going back you know, pretty early after a grade two, you really do kind of put other things at risk. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, a Jock Doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Cincinnati tight end C.J. Uzama uh, out with that knee issue, uh, the, the sprain of the MCL and he uh, he was on the field after the the comeback win after the overtime in Arrowhead and he was hopping around on crutches and over to see Joe Burrow's magic uh, so good spirits they're supporting his teammates and the way he landed it was it, it's almost like uh, it was almost it kind of looked like a hook slide right remember the old school hook mm-hmm. slides where mm-hmm. you're trying to slide around someone tagging you at third or home base well that's yeah. that's how he came down uh and it, it just it was not a hyper extension or it wasn't even a flamingo knee but the way he came down it just he got his dr brandon he got his left leg caught underneath and kind of tore back or ripped back with by the tackler and that's where i think the injury occurred it wasn't a cutting issue yeah no i think you're absolutely right dr brandon uh we will gear up and get ready for uh next sunday and we'll see if cj uzmanzana is back in at tight end and uh, can give cincinnati some more help uh, on the offensive side of the ball have a great week and thanks uh, thank you for a few minutes today you bet chris you guys take care thanks again dr brandon cypher with us nebraska orthopedic center a jock doc wednesday with hale varsity Good stuff from uh, Dr. Brandon. We'll have a couple more thoughts from Scott Frost. Get the lineup set for you tomorrow uh, on Signing Day 2.0. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hail Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hail Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20 can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, signing day 2.0. Podcast will be up. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Plenty of reaction and thoughts. Uh, Nebraska able to get two more out of the high school ranks. Good haul by the Big Red. 
And uh, some thoughts from Greg Smith and Mike Babcock today, Andy Markowski, and we heard from Coach Frost. Tomorrow on the show, Gary Barnett will join us. We'll spend time with Brandon Vogel, Danny Burke. And then uh, how about a Burrow sighting? Uh, Jimmy Burrow, longtime uh, defensive coordinator for Coach Solich. And uh, Jimmy Burrow, the proud papa of Joe, will ask him what kind of cigars he likes. And uh, that'll be good. Uh, Jamie Burrow also going to be with us uh, towards the end of the week. Speaking of Burrows, it's a great segue into Groundhog Day this morning. I guess the whole day is Groundhog Day, but uh, what was it? Uh, Pucks Tony Phil did see, did not see a shadow. Did see a shadow. Don't know. I know it's going to be 55 and grill Saturday. What, what's the uh, the Nebraska Groundhog? The, the one that they do here in Nebraska is his own? Oh... I, I know he predicted that it was going to be a uh, oh uh, a short winter. Uh, Dude, I, U- Unadilla Bill. Yes, Unadilla Bill. I got to go cover Unadilla Bill in early in my radio career. <laughs> but it was sweet going to a bar at 7 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just say that. Let's hear a couple final thoughts from, from Scott Frost, uh, specifically uh, where the uh, – we heard the in-state recruiting, which was nice, uh, moving on. But uh, the attitude, guys that are coming back, returning starters, what type of attitude do they need to come into spring with? Well, I want them to learn. I want guys that are dedicated to doing little things it takes to win. And we did a lot of things right last year and, and a lot of little things wrong when we needed it the most. And when you're doing little things right, it, it becomes a habit and um, – you know, we, we talk, and a lot of people talk about it, but you, you don't rise to the occasion, you sink to the level of your training. So I want, I want guys to have those type of uh, practices every day, weightlifting sessions every day, um, the little things that are going to help us win and the attitude that's going to help us win. But with some of the numbers we have now at those positions, uh, those guys better take advantage of their reps if they want to be on the field. And um, I think that's going to – the competition is going to help stimulate effort and practice. Last thought here from Coach Frost, uh, specifically on Mickey Joseph. We heard Coach talk about uh, Coach Applewhite in the running back room. Mickey, of course, what what's that ceiling going to be here for Omar Manning, for, for Xavier Betts, and for, for Martin at the wide receiver spot? Yeah, I want to see consistency. Um, those guys all had flashes of brilliance last year at certain times, and and other times when it, it wasn't what we expected. Um, experience is certainly going to help with that, and hopefully Mickey helps with that. Uh, they're going to have a lot of guys on their heels and chasing them uh, with Isaiah here and with um, some of the other additions that we've made and Trey and, and some of the other guys. So, um, you know, if they're not doing the right thing, somebody else is going to be on the field, and, and that's the way it's going to be at every position. Good work. Tomorrow we'll talk with Mr. Burrow. And uh, check the podcast out. Give us a rating, good, bad, ugly. We want to hear from you. Uh, Hail Varsity Radio, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Talk to you tomorrow at 4 with Hail Varsity. A Huda Media Production.